Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello, and welcome to this episode on Don't Tell Me to Relax with Sophie Rigo. Sophie is just 18, and she has written a book, Don't Tell Me to Relax. I am in complete awe of her accomplishments. She is a passionate mental health advocate, and she strives to make a difference in the lives of those around her. She is the president of the board of directors of Here Now, a Jewish mental health advocacy organization. She lives in New York with her parents, her twin brother, and rescue dog, and she plans on writing her second book in the near future. Welcome, Sophie. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us a little about yourself before you talk about your book. So I am currently a senior in high school. I'm 18 years old, and I'm going to Duke University in the fall, which I'm super excited about. Also, one thing about me is that I have four different anxiety disorders. So I have obsessive compulsive disorder trichotillomania, which is a hair pulling disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, as well as panic disorder. And because of this, I've struggled a lot in my past. But now I'm a really strong mental health advocate and also the author of my book and a speaker. And I speak all over the country. Wonderful. So what actually made you get out there and write the book? When I was younger, I felt really alone, like I was the only one dealing with this. And I, I wish that I had had a book like this when I was younger. But more than that, when I was in seventh grade, I was being bullied a lot. And my therapist and I decided that the best way to end the bullying was to educate the people, educate the kids about what was really going on in my life. So what it was like living with obsessive compulsive disorder and things like that. And I gave a presentation to my class. And the bullying stopped and people apologized and people started to be more understanding. So I thought that if I could educate more than just my class, if I could educate everyone about what it's like living with a mental illness, then it would make such a big impact. Wow. So brave of you to go out there and to present and talk about your own mental disorder and educate others. Yeah, thank you. It's hard. Yes, I know. And you're still doing it every single day. This is great. So what actually made you choose this title? You know, when I'm always struggling with anxiety, the last thing I want someone to tell me is to relax. It feels pretty... <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's funny, but also like it's pretty insensitive, especially uh-huh. from coming from someone who doesn't have a mental illness, uh-huh. because that is, that's very minimizing of my feelings. And I think a lot of people agree with me that that is just the worst thing you can hear. And it's also it really catches people's attention and they want to keep reading the book. <laughs> yeah, nice one. But, you know, even sometimes, sometimes we're, uh, we are stressed and I know I tell people like, oh, you look, you look stressed. And especially someone tells me, hey, Deepa, you look stressed. What's wrong with you? That bothers me even more. And we mm-hmm. all have mental health issues. And so when people point it out to us and say, hey, you look anxious. Hey, you look worried. Uh, what's wrong? We actually close up even more. Absolutely. I agree. So what was like your worst experience? So I've had a couple of pretty bad experiences, but my worst one was actually the first experience I had with dealing with anxiety. And that was in fifth grade. I was at a sleepover with a couple of girls in my class and we were playing truth or dare. And they asked me what my biggest fear was. And I, I told them that my biggest fear at the, at the time was glitter. You know, I didn't think this was anything to be ashamed of. I thought it was kind of normal, but 
they really, they laughed at me. And the next morning I woke up and they had dumped a bucket of glitter in my hair. And mm-hmm. I was, I was hysterical and stressed and scratching at my head until my scalp was bleeding. I was having a panic attack. I didn't know at the time that it was a panic attack. And I didn't know that my fear of glitter at the time was part of an obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh So that was really my first experience where I started to realize that maybe I wasn't normal or maybe there was something wrong with me. And that was definitely my worst experience. What helped you at that time? My parents, their support was really great. And also the confidence that I had in myself that I was okay and that I didn't have to be like everyone else in order to be successful or to make friends. But it was definitely challenging at that time because uh, my entire grade knew that I was scared of glitter and they really exploited that. So giving yourself the gift that it's okay to be here actually helped you. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I don't think at the time I was thinking that, but looking back, I think that part of the reason why I survived that incident was because I had some self-confidence and that was really important. Okay. Okay. What advice would you give to someone who's experiencing anxiety issues? So the first thing is to talk to someone about it. It doesn't have to be a parent. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be a friend. It could be an aunt, uncle, cousin, whoever, but just having someone that you trust, it brings a lot of relief and it, it brings a lot of comfort knowing that there's someone you can talk to. It's funny because, you know, when we have anxiety issues, the first tendency is either to go squiggle up in a small place and just like not talk to anybody, keep away or watch TV or go eat a packet of chips or whatever is the way that we'd like to numb our feelings, whatever is the way we'd like to consume. Absolutely. I think, I think that's a super hard step to take and it's a learned process. It's not something that comes naturally to most people. So I think as you practice it, it becomes easier. But the first step is to start practicing it. So what challenges, you know, we're actually going to that, like, you're saying take the first step, but I bet that, you know, you had a couple of challenges. And I do know that people will have a lot of challenges implementing your advice, which is like, take the first step to go and talk to someone. So what challenges do you see comes in people's ways? I think the huge thing, and it's a problem today, is that there's so much stigma surrounding mental health and mental illness. And so people don't necessarily talk openly about it because they have a fear of being perceived as imperfect or as having problems or as being unstable or anything like that. So I think that fear is what leads people to not talk to anyone else and to really just curl up in that ball and be isolated from everyone else, which is a huge problem and you know, that's the reason why mental illness is on the rise because people don't talk about it. And that's part of my goal is to start talking about it so that people know that it's okay to struggle. We all have our own struggles. We all have our own ups and downs. So yes, it is important to go out there and talk about it. And no one is perfect. Absolutely. No one's perfect. So how is it for you to be vulnerable, to get out there and talk about your own mental health? I think when I first started writing the book, which was uh, about four years ago, I really had a lot of doubts. And I kept saying, you know, this is never going to get published. I never want to speak about this. I don't want to open up. As I kept writing and as I started opening up to some people, I realized that it would have an amazing impact on everyone else. So I kind of gained that confidence as I started sharing my story. But I did, I used to feel quite a bit of shame about my story. And it took a lot of therapy sessions and you know, medication and things like that for me to realize that this was something that I had to do. And this is something that I actually really wanted to do, despite my fear. So being vulnerable is very, very hard. And 
that's the reason why there aren't so many mental health advocates because being vulnerable is scary. Having the fear of being viewed differently is really scary. But now sharing my story is feels very relieving and it's kind of therapeutic for me because I know that with my story, I'm helping other people. So what is the impact, some of some examples that you have seen on other people? I get a lot of text messages and Facebook messages from people who've read my book, which is really awesome. A lot of parents tell me that their kids are really struggling and then they put me in touch with their kids. And I've, I've spoken to a lot of teenagers about their experience with anxiety and have convinced a bunch of people to start going to therapy or to start talking openly to their parents about it, which has been great. But I think the biggest impact was I was at a convention in Colorado speaking this January, this February. And there was a girl who came up to me after my presentation and she told me that she was a survivor of the Parkland shooting in Florida and that she has been experiencing severe anxiety when going to school. Her school has been providing with providing her with therapists and things like that. But the only person that really touched her was me. And I almost started crying because that is just such a touching thing to say. And that's so moving. And I didn't realize that that was the type of impact I could be having. And because of that, it makes me want to keep speaking more to teens. Wow, wonderful. I'm so glad that you wrote your book. Yes, me too. So what is your message to the audience? So I have a couple messages, but I think you know, a main one is that mental illness is not something to be ashamed of, despite what society will tell you, and that everyone has something going on, and that it's time that we start turning our weaknesses or our mental illnesses or anything like that into our strengths. So finding the good in the mental illness is hard, but it's, it's really necessary. It's what's going to help stop some of the stigma. So I turned my four mental illnesses into a book, into a story that I'm able to share with other people. And, you know, that is turning my weaknesses into strengths right there. And I think that is immensely important. You know, I know how scary it is. And I know that, you know, people are scared to share their story and be open. But I really think that one person at a time, we can start to change the idea that society has that mental illness is, is something, to be, to, something to be ashamed of for sure. Wow. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you so much for all the wonderful work that you are doing and for so courageously taking the step to get out there to write your book and help cure mental health. Great work, Sophie. Thank you so much for being here with us. And I want to wish you all the very best for your university and for all the wonderful things that you're going to do in life. Thank you. so. I so appreciate this opportunity. Really, it means a lot to me. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.